You know, I really like it when Alabama quarterback commitments win the MVP at the Elite 11. You know what I'm saying? You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, Luber. I'm. I don't even know. I'm not starting over. I'm tell you that. But uh, okay. I'm a little discombobulated as Father's Day. Regardless, hey everybody, Luke Robinson. That's me. Jimmy Stein. That's him. Uh, Jimmy, that joke at the very beginning was brought to you by Father's Day, uh, because that's what fathers do is make terrible jokes on Father's Day. And uh, I started out with one. Sorry for the bed hair, but yes, I have already gotten up. No, I'm not taking a shower. And no, I'm not starting over. It's Father's Day. I'll do what I want to. But uh, Julian Sayan did win the MVP of the Elite 11. And that's where we're going to start today. Because I'm wondering, like, is, is Julian Sayan going to creep up on the number one quarterback spot? I mean, this Dylan Riola. He's good. I mean, everybody knows he's good. Nobody's saying he's not good. And he's committed to Georgia, which he, now there's the Georgia bump. There's no, there's a Bama bump, a Georgia bump, and an Ohio State bump. So he doesn't even need it, and he's getting it. Same thing with Julian Sayan. But I'm wondering if Sayan can't end up passing this cat. Certainly can. I think the number one, it, it just seems to me that it makes the most sense that whoever wins the Elite 11 event becomes the number one quarterback in the country. It makes all the sense in the world. There's a, a contest, practically a tournament that takes place to determine who should be invited to the elite 11 event. They end up with who they believe are the 20 best quarterbacks in the nation that competed in the elite 11 events. And then, then they put them all there and put them through a series of challenges. And then they declare a winner and Julian saying the Alabama commitment uh, was declared the winner uh, as, as the best quarterback at the event. So it makes all sorts of sense that he should now be considered the number one quarterback ahead of Rayola. And that's not a huge jump going into this event. For instance, on three, my people, my company on three, uh, we had Julian saying as the number two quarterback going into the event. Uh, so it's not much of a stretch to say he actually deserves the number one spot. Uh, just one word of, of warning or, or one reminder to people. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm a huge fan of the Elite 11 and how they do it. I'm not dissing them in any way. I, I like Elite 11, and I think they do a lot of good for those kids. They actually develop their talent. They're not just showing off. They actually work on coaching those kids up and making them better. But my point is that Elite 11, they do all these things. You know what they don't do? Play football. I mean, it, they, they don't play football there. They they do a lot of – it's it's a lot like the combine or your personal pro day workout which are very important to determine who should go where in the NFL draft, but it doesn't ultimately decide the, the whole enchilada, right? I mean, your tape does, your season does, actual tape of you playing the sport of football still matters a ton. So, yes, say in one Elite 11, yes, we should be excited. Yes, it's kind of further verification of the kid we're getting in 2024, but he didn't play football out there, so let's not go overboard. And one more reminder – Back in uh, 2015, I believe it was. No, no, it's probably before that. 2013, the winner of the Elite 11 event was Alabama commitment five-star quarterback Blake Barnett. And as we know, not only was Blake never a good player at Alabama, Blake then wasn't a good player at Arizona State and then was just kind of a, a, a marginal starting quarterback at South Florida. So Blake Barnett all, had also won this Elite 11 event in the past. So let's not get too carried away, uh, but – 
Is it a positive? Oh, yes. Oh, it's definitely a positive. Tua Tungvaloa won the Elite 11 contest. And, yeah, you know, he ended up pretty good. Yeah, I was muted. Um, I'm sure it's Father's Day. It is Father's Day. Why go through a holiday where you don't talk on mute if you're going to do it on non-holidays? Look, y'all can get on to me for screwing up all you want to during the regular (laughs) year. On Father's Day, at least Father's Day morning, I'm not a big believer in, like, if it's Father's Day or Mother's Day or whatever, that, like, you get the whole day to do whatever you want to. Life's not like that. You you get a, a couple hours, and I'm cherishing these moments. I've you a podcast that I ruin on the regular, but um, regardless, what I what I'm not seeing here for whatever reason, normally it has our uh, our Twitter handles beneath us, and I don't know why. They know us. Let's see. The good ah, people know. Well, how about that? Look at you. Look at you. I don't now know. I know who I am. Okay. <laughs> uh, but a couple of things about uh, the Elite 11, you're right. They don't play football. And I think that's the first thing everybody points to when their guy doesn't either A, make the Elite 11, or B, win the Elite 11 is, they don't even play football. How can you really tell anything? But if your guy wins the Elite 11, everybody goes, my guy's easily the best. So, <laughs> and we have been on both sides of that coin where you're right, Blake Barnett wins it, and then he never really amounts to much on the football field. He did win life because, to my knowledge, he ended up marrying that surfboard goddess who uh, was worth a gazillion dollars before he ever set foot on campus. So I think they got married. I don't know that, but I'm sure that's why he was so distracted. He could never really complete a football career. But then on the other side, there was Tua Tungvaloa, who really he would – what had happened? Do you hear that? What is that? No. I don't know. Okay, I heard a bunch of scratching noises or something. Um, but anyway, um, Tua was not considered the number one quarterback, I don't think, until he won the Elite 11 and people were like, we got to consider this guy for the number one quarterback, right? Right. Uh, I think that's correct. I think Tua vaulted to number one. And frankly, in terms of like what we expect in the rankings, it's very difficult to predict rankings. But I think Joy and Sand will move to number one. I, I really believe he will. I, I believe he will on on three. Uh, and and I, I can't speak for on three or really the other services. But I, I think Sand is going to move up to number one based on his showing at the Elite 11. And, and, and you know, that's fine. Uh, I, I'm into recruiting rankings, as everybody knows, and I like them. But the kid's already committed to Alabama. He's not going to decommit. This is a kid that's locked into Alabama. So it doesn't really matter at this point where he's ranked. I mean, we're getting saying, you know, we're getting the kid as he is, right? Whether he's ranked number one or number 10, it doesn't matter really. But uh, it does help in the recruiting rankings quite a bit when you sign uh, the number one player in the country and all the points that gives you and the way they total up these things. But uh, what a big weekend and uh, a nice segue into uh, Alabama finally, if you want to say finally, offering Trent Seaborn. Speaking of the tongue of Iloas, uh, Alabama offered hold it rising. Yep. You want to do I want you to save that for another segment. You got it. Um, because here's what I got to do. I got to tell everybody about FanDuel first and foremost. FanDuel, you know, we love FanDuel. And look, they got the US Open golf tournament going on right now. It's out in Los Angeles. It's on at night for some weird reason around here. I understand about time <laughs> like my golf at night, uh, for my time. But uh, you can go to FanDuel, you can bet on Anything you can uh, bet on the golf tournament, you can bet on baseball. The Braves are just scorching hot right now. You can bet on that. 
um, anything you want to at Bet Online. Uh, excuse me, at FanDuel. <laughs> at FanDuel. At FanDuel. I'll say that. Uh, we've had a couple of uh, overlaps with um, sponsors sometimes. Previous sponsors. Yeah. Correct. So you don't want to miss your chance to snag that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. That's a no sweat first bet, $1,000. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. You will love this website. Get the app. It's so easy. It's so fun. Uh, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today. The rest of the week, we're going to be doing a lot more of Jimmy's countdown. But, I mean, there's been a lot happened since Jimmy was last in the program. We actually got the schedules came out. I don't think Jimmy and I really talked about them. I talked about them on a solo run, but I don't think Jimmy's talked about them. Um, I may get to talk about them later. There's too much other stuff, and that's kind of old news now. But um, then let's talk. I want to, before you get into Trent Seaborn, which is huge, I want to talk about Jamil Burroughs. Uh, Jamil Burroughs. Uh, a guy we're all looking forward to. And speaking of your countdown, here's how you know it's bad news that Jamil Burroughs is like a little bit in uh, in trouble and it's bad news for us. We haven't gotten to him on your countdown yet. That's so, right. Like if we had gotten to a guy that's on your countdown and they get in trouble, I think we're sort of like, okay, we can live with that. But when, when you haven't gotten to guys that are on your countdown, that means they're way down the countdown, which is a, a positive in this sense because we're going to reverse order. So, yeah, this is a problem. It's not the end of the world. We don't even know if he's on the team or off the team. We don't know the whole situation yet. But, Jimmy, just tell us what we do know so far. Sure. Well, uh, you know, uh, Rivals reported uh, a, a little bit on the story, and at On3 we reported a, a little bit too. But in terms of what we know, uh, you know, Jamil Burroughs has been in trouble. Uh, you know, we don't, it's not legal trouble. It's team trouble. It's violation of team rules type trouble. And his status with the football team is sort of up in the air. Uh, from what we can uh, surmise at, at on three, we don't think it's resolved. Or in other words, it, it's not a certainty that he's going to be removed from the team, but it is a possibility. Uh, it's also possible that he's going to remain with the team. Uh, you know, whether uh, I'm, I'm sure Nick Saban and consultation with leadership on the team will will be making that determination uh, if they haven't already. But but Jamil is in significant trouble to the point that it could result in his expulsion from the team uh, in terms of his importance to the team. You know, you can't you can't pretend like it's not. It wouldn't be a big deal. He is a guy that's going to play with the first team. He's not necessarily a starter, not necessarily one of our best two or three defensive linemen, but he's probably the fourth, fifth, sixth best guy. And, and that guy plays, you know, that's a position that you do heavily rotate. We usually play about six uh, defensive linemen as part of a rotation throughout the game. And no question, Jamil Burroughs would be one of those six, but he's not Jaheim Otis. He's not Justin Aboigby, uh, not even Tim Smith, in my opinion. So it wouldn't be crippling, uh, but it wouldn't be good. And, and also important, you know, for the kid, I mean, I, I would hate for him to be removed from the team after being here for four years. This isn't a guy that's been here that just got here. You know, Jamil Burroughs is a guy who has definitely, uh, you know, been a part of things for a couple of years. He's been on campus now, I think, going into his fourth year. Uh, that, that's not a good time to be removed from the team. Uh, I'm sure he'd land on his feet somewhere else in the transfer portal age. But uh, nevertheless, uh, not good news, but also wouldn't be crippling news. And again, to, to reiterate, no final decision made there. It's just up in the air as to whether he's going to remain on the team or not. Yeah, and I mean, I, 
When, when do you think we will know? Up uh, this week, this week for oh, sure. Wow. I think it'll be, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll. I think it'll be this week in, in terms of us knowing something or and, and able to report it. Here's the thing. I mean, in terms of how Alabama works, if he's staying on the team, we won't hear anything from inside the program. <laughs> but if he's removed, they will they will release some sort of a statement that he's no longer with the team. But uh, if he's staying, we won't hear anything at all. But you know, I don't think these things take a long time to decide uh, because. Uh, you know, we don't know facts, but th- this came from an incident. It wasn't like, hey, something that we've been dealing with over time. It's an incident, so they're they're going to make they're going to make a, a a fairly quick decision on this. So I, I would guess this week. Okay, uh, you have to be a little more diplomatic about some of these reports than I, because <laughs> you do work for Own Three as well, and um, I feel like I could probably stretch it. Look, I- I'm just going to say this, and if you want me to edit it. That's great. I'm not doing it. Um, but uh, I'm going to say that we've all seen a lot of the message board rumors that yeah. this incident may involve a run in with a coach. Yeah. Hypothetically, theoretically, uh, possibly, possibly this coach could be somebody like, I don't know, Josh Chapman, who, by the way, was one of Saban's early recruits and who can bench press Bessemer. <laughs> so my question is, if we, do you love, I'm asking, I'm not asking you, Jimmy, this is a rhetorical for you. This is an actual question for everybody else. Do you, the listener, are you happier that we have a player so confident that he would be willing to take on Josh Chapman? <laughs> As I've mentioned, can bench press a community? Or do you feel like, I don't know that I want a guy on the team who would pick a fight with the baddest coach we got probably. Now, there may be some other coaches who go, you don't know how, how bad I am. True. If we say, though, we're going to circle up our coaches and have a, a group uh, round-robin fight, my money's on Chapman. <laughs> Y'all can have whoever else. I'm sure we got some other superstar uh, baddies that love to fight. My money's on Josh Chapman. So I'm torn between either Burroughs is like super confident. And I love that. If hypothetically he were in an altercation with a coach, say like Josh Chapman, or I'm scared to death that he's not going to do really well on whatever today's version of the wonder lick is because he picked had an altercation with, with Josh Chapman. I don't know which way I want to go with this thing, but I'm hoping it just gets resolved this week. Yeah, if you're going to pick a fight with the coach, I would assume uh, Josh Chapman would come in dead last place in terms of the guys you'd you'd want to take on. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, we we don't know exactly what happened, so it's all. You know, I, this was all hypothetical. And here's a feeling too. And, and again, one more hypothetical to add on. Uh, these things aren't really made in a vacuum. So I would think Jamil's behavior from day one he enrolled all the way up until is going to be a factor too. I mean, I think everyone's entitled to make a mistake. Everyone's entitled to to lose it on one particular day over four years. But uh, I'm sure his his behavior during his entire time on the team will be taken into account as well. I, I don't think they would just, you know, uh, remove a kid from school, uh, particularly a kid that's within a year of graduating. Yeah. Uh, without it's a bigger a, punishment. A fairly serious thing. It's a bigger punishment for Jamil. If, if he's removed, I think, then say a younger guy who 
Right. They, their second chance can actually like when you're trying to get a second chance as a guy who's going in to be a senior working on trying to move up in the draft, it gets to be a bigger problem. You know what I mean? I mean, look at, for instance, look at Brandon Miller. Now it's a little bit just different situation in the age, but I'm saying Brandon Miller mistakes, even if they aren't really mistakes in the moment, he has no idea it's a mistake is a bigger deal just because of his environment or surroundings or things that other people might be doing than say somebody else on the team who's not going to be drafted. Does that make sense? It doesn't look like you think that makes sense. It does. And uh, no, no, it, it does. And, and, and I also think when you've had Burroughs in the program for four years, you've invested Alabama invests in each kid. And we're not talking about NIL. We're talking about scholarship, the training, the amount of training they get, the tutoring they get. He estimates that on every kid on campus, Alabama is spending a hundred to $120,000 per year, you know, on each kid. And so you've, you've got, you've made a heck of an investment in Jamil Burroughs too, you know, for, for a kid that's been there for four years, just to, 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 so it's not a light decision. Uh, I'm sure it's not a light decision that coach Saban is, is, is making, but that's why they, pay him the big bucks. He's got to do what's in the best interest of the program. And you send a message to the other guys, uh, you know, in terms of, Hey, what behavior is tolerated and what behavior is not. And, and, and I think ultimately that's the, that's uh, that's what they'll be facing with and, and making this decision, but the kid's going to land on his feet. Uh, it's not legal trouble. Uh, if Jamil Burroughs is removed from the program, if that happens, I would, uh, I would guess he's going to be with someone else this fall. Here's the other thing. It's, that's not good for Jamil Burroughs. That's not fair. Um, because Tony Mitchell was given the quote-unquote second chance, because um, everybody knows more about Tony Mitchell's situation, uh, he was driving a gazillion miles an hour, uh, you know, had some illegal stuff in the car or uh, a lot of legal stuff that maybe shouldn't be legal or whatever, and it was late at night and it wasn't in Alabama and all these things, and Tony Mitchell's not kicked off. If Jamil Burroughs is kicked off under clandestine circumstances that the public doesn't know, they're going to go, oh, my God. If, Tony, yeah. if Mitchell wasn't kicked off and Jamil Burroughs was, what in the world did Jamil Burroughs do? What I'm saying is this is bad news for him. But let's let, we need to take a break because I want to get back and talk about Trent Seaborn and some of these other recruits. I know that's what everybody really wants to focus on. So let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk recruiting. And we're back. And because uh, so, some people use this as a visual podcast, I forgot to put these pictures up that I so carefully went and downloaded. Uh, there's Julian saying from the Elite 11 camp, and there's Jamil Burroughs. I was supposed to put both those up while we were talking about them, and I forgot. So, <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, all right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about recruiting from the weekend. I didn't even like have this on my list to talk about, but since you brought it up and because he may be one of the most well-known names in the state of Alabama, if not all recruiting circles, Trent Seaborn, the quarterback at Thompson was offered by Alabama. You and I both thought he was already offered, but he might've already been as, as many offers as Trent Seaborn has. He has to be the most heavily recruited eighth grader in the history of the state of Alabama. I have no doubt that that's true, by the way. I know that sounds crazy to say that someone would have that title, but uh, I know I've been following Alabama football recruiting since the late 80s. Trent Seaborn is easily – I can only think of one other example. Uh, Trent Seaborn's easily the most heavily recruited eighth grader in the history of this state. 
uh, and, and one of the most heavily recruited eighth graders in the history of the United States, I'm quite certain. The only other eighth grader I can remember that had a lot of SEC level offers was Tim Castile, who was a first team all state player as an eighth grader at Briarwood Christian. So very similar, but Seaborn plays quarterback. Seaborn plays quarterback at the number one program in the whole state of Alabama. Uh, and Seaborn's relationship with the Tongue of Aloha's, uh, as uh, you know, and we'll tell that story again shortly. Uh, you know, I, I think when you add up all those th- things, quarterback from Thompson High School, relationship from the t- with the Tongue of Aloha's, and then throw in all of the offers that he's gotten, including Alabama Saturday. He was offered in Nick Saban's office uh, with his family there, his mom and his dad, and his little, he has a, a much younger little brother. They, they were all there uh, when Nick Saban uh, made the offer to Alabama. And, and who knows what's going to happen with Trent. He's just going to be in the ninth grade this fall, uh, you know, in terms of whether he makes an early decision or, or, or we'll just have to see. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think he's the most famous or, 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 or the most heavily recruited eighth grader. And because his recruitment is going to be a five-year thing, I, I think he becomes the most famous recruit in the, in the state of Alabama. When you're a famous recruit, that means people from outside football know who you are. Uh, I, and I do think over time, Trent Seaborn will, will, will get that level of fame. So, uh, I, I, you know, hopefully he handles it well. I do think his relationship, you know, his private football coaches – Ganu Tugovaloa to his dad, who did such a good job with Tua and Talia. That's who's coaching Trent as a private football coach. I, I think uh, that's going to help him because Ganu has been through this before, having two well-known, famous quarterbacking sons. Uh, he will really be a big asset to uh, Trent and his family. In terms of handling, that's a lot on an eighth grader to, to be walking around the, the Galleria in Birmingham and every adult in the building knows who you are. Uh, that's uh, that's a lot for an eighth grader to handle, but uh, but he, he's in uh, he's in good hands. Let's see what happens with recruiting. He he will literally have his pick of schools. He he pretty much does already. He could commit tomorrow to probably just about any program in the in the country. You know, the with the elder Tungavaloa there, maybe that will help Alabama, and and maybe eventually he will gonna be committing to Alabama. <laughs> he could people. Yeah, for people that don't know, uh, uh, quickly, uh, he's not a cousin. That's a common story that he's Tua's cousin. He's that's not. not that's not technically true that it's close. But Trent Seaborn's mother and Tua's mother uh, grew up in the Hawaiian Islands together. They were best friends growing up. Uh, but then Trent's mother met a guy from Colorado, and she left the islands and, and got married, and has been living in ha- had been living in Colorado for a long time. So they've been apart. But when Trent showed signs that he was going to be a, a really talented quarterback, uh, the family decided to move from Colorado to to Alabaster, to, to the Birmingham area, so Trent could train under Tua's dad. Uh, and during that period of time, by the way, when they were moving from Colorado to Alabama, the Seaborns lived with the Tongue of Aloas. And that's where the stories come from that they're related. But they actually just lived with the Tongue of Aloas while they were, you know, picking out a house. And that's a big move from Denver to Birmingham. So uh, that, that's where all those stories come from. And, of course, Trent's at the same program Talia was at. Uh, and, and that's where those stories come from. In terms of Trent's relationship with Alabama, I, I, would, I would consider Alabama to have an advantage recruiting because of proximity to campus and Tua's success at Alabama. But it is absolutely not some sort of a lock. I mean, Trent's going to be recruited coast to coast, obviously grew up in Colorado, uh, 
I, I, I would I would hesitate to say that that he's certain to end up at Alabama. I, I do think Alabama would be on the short list of uh, of the potential landing spots for sure. Uh, let's talk about two guys, and we can keep talking recruiting from this past weekend as the week goes on. Two guys I want to talk about. One of them visited Alabama. One of them visited Auburn. Uh, Jordan Ross from Vestavia visited Alabama, and it seemed like he's finally coming around to the idea of, okay, Alabama's on my list. I mean, it seemed like Alabama really wasn't on his list. I'm not saying Alabama's the favorite. I just feel like Alabama may be in play now, which is a positive. Now, again, you and I have talked about this on the podcast. We've signed a lot of rush edge guys here in the last couple of classes. They're all good. Um, so maybe it's, it's a bit of a log jam there. But I'm, I'm of the opinion now you can't have too many of anything. Uh, secondly, Perry Thompson, who committed, who is committed to Alabama, but he visited Auburn. And the Auburn boards are just going nuts with Perry Thompson any minute. I don't think that's going to happen, at least not now. I mean, I I think it's certainly a possibility. But I don't think – actually, I think he does sign with Alabama. um, But I think he's enjoying the process and enjoying the moment. And I don't blame him for that. But uh, you may differ. So go into those two guys to wrap up the show. Yeah, sure. Jordan Ross, the pass rusher from Vestavia Hills. Uh, he's definitely the top pass rushing prospect in Alabama, in the state of Alabama in this class. Uh, I think he's already visited Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee uh, and hasn't visited Alabama, but he did make a quick trip to Alabama, not an official visit. But on Thursday, th- things seem to go really well, and it looks like now he will make an official visit to Alabama later this summer or even in the fall. Uh, as Luke pointed out, the issue with him is just simply opportunity because as we know, in the last recruiting class, the 2023 class, Alabama signed three five-star outside linebackers. Three. Two is a crazy number. Three is like science fiction, but somehow Alabama pulled it off. And since they've signed three five-stars at this position just last year, that's really used against you in the next class. I'm sure Georgia, Florida, Tennessee is on Jordan Ross going, why are you going to go to Alabama and get in line behind all of those guys who who are just one year separated from you? You're never going to play there. That's what he's hearing from these other programs, and 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 that makes some level of sense. But he's an in-state player. He likes Alabama, Vestavia Hills. You know, a lot of his classmates who don't play football, they'll be going to school at Alabama. He'll know a lot of kids. Uh, and he knows a lot of kids on the team. So I think that will all be factored in. But it does appear that Alabama is going to be in it for Jordan Ross uh, as we, you know, go through the fall. Um, as of Perry Thompson – you know, the wide receiver from Foley, fantastic player, has been committed to Alabama now for a year, uh, but he really likes Auburn. He's gone to Auburn multiple times. He's had an official visit to Auburn. He may flip to Auburn. I, I just get back to what I said here on the show, Luke, when uh, Hugh Freeze was hired at Auburn. Look, it's not – the Harson era, unfortunately for Alabama fans, is over. We shut out Auburn during the Harson era, no doubt. That's not going to happen uh, under Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is going to sign players – from the state of Alabama that Alabama wants. We're not going to, it's not going to be 10 to zero when we're dealing with Hugh Freeze. Now I do think Alabama is going to continue to sign the majority of kids when it's Alabama versus Auburn for an in-state guy. I think Alabama is going to sign more than Auburn. will. that's my opinion based on, on 30 or 40 years of history, but Hugh Freeze is not going to get shut out. He's going to sign a few guys. Perry Thompson could be, could end up being the first example of Auburn landing a high-priority target for Alabama. It's going to happen. It may happen with Perry Thompson. We'll see. Perry's also strongly considering Georgia, by the way, and uh, other SEC programs. So for a committed kid, Perry looks around a lot. But as we know, 
uh, in recruiting, we need to pick another word because commitment doesn't really work, right? I mean, it's it's not it's not really Webster's dictionary applicable that word. Uh, Perry's looking around; he's seriously considering Auburn. They may, in fact, flip him. If so, uh, of course, it's a blow uh, to Alabama. But on the other hand, Alabama's recruiting a lot of the best wide receivers in the country. It's a position Alabama recruits extremely well. We have the number one 2025 wide receiver in the country already committed to Alabama and another 2025 guy who may be the second best receiver in the country in 2025. He's making a decision uh, coming up fairly soon, and uh, I like Alabama's spot with him. I'm talking about Jamie French, who's a wide receiver from the Jacksonville, Florida area. He's going to make his public commitment very soon, and uh, we're sort of leaning it on three that – that Jamie French will select Alabama. You know, and that, again, that's positive and negative. If Jamie French com- commits to Alabama, the first thing Auburn's going to do is call Perry Thompson and call Ryan Williams and say, hey, another guy to steal uh, catches away from you two. I mean, that's, right. the, that's the first thing I would do. And he, let's also be clear, we're not predicting Perry Thompson flips. I don't think <laughs> that, and I don't think that. I think I think he might. I, 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 I'm not going to say 50-50. Uh, if I had to uh, put a – I think there's a – 60% chance Perry Thompson sticks with Alabama. But, you know, read into that number what you will. I don't think it's 50-50. I would still favor Alabama because he's been committed to Alabama for over a year, and, and he likes Alabama. For all the uh, people screaming NIL, NIL, this is all about NIL, let's remember Alabama doesn't exactly, you know, shoot blanks when it comes to that issue. Right. We just signed the number one class in the country. Alabama does extremely well in the NIL era, and if Perry Thompson chooses Auburn, uh, I, I, I wouldn't – say it's because, you know, Auburn's got some great big NIL offer that Alabama doesn't. Uh, so we'll just have to see. Uh, the kid likes recruiting. Hey, some kids don't. Jordan Seaton, the IMG offensive lineman, by the way, that we're recruiting, that Alabama may lead on, a big-time offensive lineman from IMG, he doesn't like recruiting. He may make an early commitment so he doesn't have to deal with this anymore. Well, Perry Thompson's the opposite. He seems to enjoy the recruiting process quite a bit, and uh, and maybe that's what's going on. All right, we will talk more about this. This will be a story ongoing until Perry Thompson signs. Uh, I guess the question I would ask is, do you want to catch guy uh, passes from the guy who won the Elite 11 MVP, or do you want to catch passes from somebody else who wasn't even there? That, that, there's another – He's probably hearing that. My guess is he's hearing this. Yeah, yeah, and probably from the guy who won the MVP. So, all right, let's uh, call today's show a wrap, and we will talk tomorrow. Until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.